0: It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament, where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. We're in the Word in Mark chapter number 15. There was a book written, and it was called A Tale of Two Cities, and the introductory lines in that book said this, Uh, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And at that point, it was talking about the comparison between London and Paris. Man, at that time, Paris was in a bloody civil war there in France. Man, the guillotines were out and the royalties' heads were coming off. Across the uh, channel over in England, they were experiencing really a a revival of religion, a great time. So it was the best of times in England, but it was the worst of times in France. France. And I think about Mark chapter 15, and we're looking at the day of the cross. And you know, the day of the cross in many ways was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Really the best of times for us, because it's the day our sins were paid for and atoned for, right? It's the day that God so loved that He gave His Son And Jesus went to the cross, man, the best of times for us, forgiveness, deliverance, freedom from our sins. But man, the worst of times for Jesus, the lowest day of his eternal existence, so much so that the night before in the garden, the Bible says he was so overcome with grief and emotion in his spirit, man, he nearly died in the garden before he ever got to the cross. And you say, why so much grief and sorrow Because he understood that on the cross, he would become sin for us. And sin is something he had never experienced. And by the way, it's still something he had never committed. It was the penalty of the sin that was placed on him, even though he was sinless. And so in this chapter, we see Jesus going to the cross. And it mentions here that he went to the cross the third hour of the day, and he was on the cross until the ninth hour of the day. Now, translated into our time today, that would have been from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, When I used to be a youth pastor and I'd be preaching about the cross or teaching it to teenagers, I'd always say, think about it. The entire time you were in school today is the same amount of time that Jesus Christ was on the cross, about six hours, And what a horrible, horrible six hours on the cross, impaled. And yet the suffering really didn't even begin there. The night before, he was falsely arrested. He was made to stay up all night and being uh, tormented and tortured and prodded and poked and denied. I mean, then he was scourged, falsely accused. So much going on before 9 o'clock in the morning before he ever went to the cross. Man, absolutely the worst of times. But look at Jesus' response to his suffering. Look at how he faced the difficulty. Mark chapter 15 in verse 1, it says, And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answering said to him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, answer nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against you. Literally, look at all the charges they're bringing against you. But Jesus yet answered nothing. And it says that Pilate marveled. He was amazed. So what is the response of Jesus? Silence. Nothing. The worst suffering ever, the lowest day of his life. Yet the Bible says he answered nothing. Isaiah chapter 53, prophesying about this day, said as a sheep before her shears is dumb, or is silent, so he opened not his mouth." Man, it's talking about a silent moment for Christ. You say, well, why was he silent? Well, let's think of some reasons. Was it fear? Um, I don't think so. Was it defeat? He finally realized that he he lost the fight with the people around him. No, because in Matthew 26, 53, He said, do you not know that I could cry out to my father right now, and he could send 12 legions of angels? So it wasn't fear. It wasn't defeat. It wasn't uncertainty. It was none of those things. You say, well, why was he silent? Why didn't he fight for himself? You know what the answer is? It was faith. Now, we don't think of Jesus having faith. We see of Jesus being the object of faith. Well, that's true when we come to uh, salvation, Salvitic faith. But when we're talking about trust and confidence, Jesus definitely showed trust and confidence in his Father. You see, it was confidence that he was in the hands and that he was in the will of the Father. I mean, you look over in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verses 21 through 23, it's kind of a commentary on the Gospels and especially on Mark chapter 15 there. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23, Peter said this, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. What did Jesus do in the silence? Why the silence? Says here, he was just committing himself to the Father. He was committed himself to truth, to the one that knew the truth of him, that he was not worthy of death, that he was not guilty, that he was the sinless one. So his silence was not a defeat. His silence was trust. It was confidence. When it says there that he committed himself, the word "committed" means literally to deliver up one's custody, man, to give your custody over to another, to yield, to submit, to trust. And the word, the Greek word, is paradidomai. And if you take para off and you just take the root word didomai, it means to give. Remember over in Mark 10:8 where Jesus said, "Freely you have received, freely give." Well, that's the root word. It's the word give. So committing himself is the idea of giving yourself over, paradidami, giving yourself over. It was literally Jesus giving himself, his circumstances, his pain, his suffering, his false accusations. It was giving them to the one who knew. It was giving it to the Father. Man, think about that. What a lesson for us today in our difficulties. We tend to want to take charge of our pain. Jesus didn't take charge of his pain. Man, we want to defend. We want to wrestle. We want to prove that we're right. But Jesus did what? He yielded to the Father. He displayed faith. He displayed confidence. He committed himself in his suffering to the one who knew truth, to the one who absolutely, in a sense, using a human term, to the one who held all the cards, man, to the one who could actually do the right thing about it. He committed himself to him that judges righteously. I think one of our greatest challenges is to not try to be our own lawyer not try to be our own defense. You see these situations where someone gets charged of something, they decide they're going to represent themselves. The judge always tells them that's foolish. That's kind of dumb. You got a lawyer available. No, I want to defend myself. And half the time they go in there and make a a fool of themselves. But you know what? We do the same thing. We want to be our own lawyer. We want to be our own advocate. We want to be um, you know, our own defense. But that's God's job. That's not our job. Our job is to trust Him. And I was thinking of a missionary story this morning when I was reading this, and it was about missionary Jim Elliot. He and a group of his friends were missionaries to um, Ecuador back in the nineteen fifties, and they were evangelizing or seeking to evangelize an unreached tribe called the Alca Indians. And these were Stone Age killers that were deep into the, you know, into the uh, what we'd call the jungle, the rainforests. And they finally made contact with them and they landed their plane on a little strip of sand there on a river in there in the jungle. And they were there on the shore and there was radio and they had radio that they made contact and they were going to meet up with them that day. And they were so excited. They had been prepping this moment and dropping gifts from the airplane and thinking they're winning the trust. And that day on that beach, they did meet up with the Akkas and they were brutally murdered by these, uh, at the time, savage Behavior. What was interesting though, when a rescue party went in to look for them and found the beach and found their plane and found their bodies, the men were armed with weapons, but they never shot a single bullet to defend themselves. You say, man, that is absolutely insane. No, it was really as walking in the steps of what Jesus did. You say, well, why would they do that for the gospel's sake? for the sake of the hope they wished for those Akas beyond that moment, and that perhaps in their behavior and in their death, they might so manifest the reality of Christ that someone could come behind them and use that moment to win them for Christ. And that's exactly what happened. One of the widows um, and one of the sisters, um, man, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's um, widow, Nate Saint's sister, they went in and these women with their children were able to evangelize these, uh, these Alka Indians because of the display of Christ that was shown to them. I wonder how different our world around us could be if we were genuinely displaying, man, the trust and the confidence of God even in the midst of our suffering and pain. If we were willing to let God be our defense, rather than to defend ourselves. So the word for today is this. Recognize that as a believer, your calling is to follow Jesus in spite of difficulties, in spite of misunderstanding, in spite of the court of public opinion. Follow him and commit yourself today to him that judges righteously. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.